Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Min, and joined by my star producer and co-host, Chris Brito. We have our most jam-packed show of the entire season with a league-altering Kevin Durant trade. King James is the new all-time scoring leader, and the Knicks made a trade. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Stevie. I'm, I'm doing well. You know, I'm happy to be here with the uh, on the All Hoops Podcast talking about what we love the most. Um, and, you know, we're going to have some thoughts on the Knicks uh, heart deal. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's happened in the NBA in the last week was really the Nets blowing it up and Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn, uh, going to Phoenix. Um, Arizona has been pretty busy the last few days with the Super Bowl, but I think Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix makes them the best team in the West. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. And just to recap the trade, it was Durant, TJ Warren going to the Suns for Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and a massive haul of first-round picks, 2023, 20, 25, 27, 29, and a 28 pick swap. Basically, the Nets own all the Suns draft picks for the rest of the decade, more or less. Crowder was then flipped to Milwaukee for five second-rounders. And uh, obviously, we'll, we'll get to the Suns side in a second, but as a partially New York show, let's start with the Nets. Chris, is this big three of Durant, Harden, and uh and Kyrie, the most disappointing end to any team in sports history. I think it's hard to argue that it's at least not one of the top five or like the most most noteworthy because this team, while when they were playing together, you could argue that they were the best team in the NBA in, by a mile. And I think in the, what, 16 games that they played together, they were 13 and three. Um. Very small sample size, but I think it sort of speaks to how dominant they were together and how quick they were in figuring each other out. Like typically with these like star sort of trios or whatever, it takes a while for them to get together. Um, you know, Kevin Durant making that shot against M Milwaukee in the in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs. Second final, second round. Um, could have decided a lot of different things for this team, but that's not where we are. And like, it ends up being one of the more disappointing teams that never lived up to expectations. And I think in closing, a lot, I, I can't wait for the article or the 30 for 30 documentary about why it didn't work out. And like, what was the reason why? I mean, we probably all know what the reason why, but it's just James Harden alluded to it uh, during some post-game remarks the other day or like, um he was sort of saying that he did he's not he's not the crazy one um and sort of pointing fingers at saying that that organization was dysfunctional so we 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 all assume he's talking about Kyrie and Kevin Durant and how they how they were treated there um but again one of those those are some of the things that were just speculating um but now Durant heads to Phoenix I do like the pieces that the Nets got in. I think the team is so much better built <laughs> around Ben Simmons, but it's just like oh, there are a lot, of, a lot of versatile wings. They are a, a lot of them can shoot well. Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges are two favorites of ours. Um, I I think they're going to be a really exciting team. Yeah, I mean, just to re just to recap with 
with the Nets. I said they lost to the Bucks in the second round. That was actually the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost in game seven, 115 to 111. You remember Kevin Durant with the toe on the line. And since that moment, everything has gone wrong. Everything. And for between Harden asking out, then they get swept in the playoffs by the Celtics in the first round, then Kyrie, and then now Kevin Durant on the second attempt to get traded finally does to the Phoenix Suns. And Chris, they're kind of back to where they were before those guys showed up. They have a young, fun, plucky team that's going to win 45 to 47 games in a typical year. They're going to be fun. They're going to be competitive. Uh, They're going to be easy to root for. And then they're going to get bounced in the first round. And we're going to say, that's a team that really could use an alpha dog, a big star. And look, I I think they didn't, I don't think they did anything wrong. I really don't because we were talking about it before the show with, with Kevin Durant and Phoenix and like, would it surprise anyone if they signed Kyrie Irving to replace Chris Paul this summer? I don't think they would. And for a, a different team to see what the Nets went through and say, yeah, like we would do that too. It just shows that like, it's a star league and you can't blame the Nets for handing over the keys because a lot of teams would do the same thing. Especially to the caliber of those two guys. I don't think, you know, even as a Nick fan, I'd love to rag on the Nets, but you know, we, we were also in the mix getting those two guys also. And so I don't think that like, typically, I honestly, I think would be more of the butt of the joke if, if it were the Knicks, but the Nets sort of did everything right. I mean, what could they have done differently? Like, they handed over the keys I, to the organization. I've, I've never seen such a self-sabotage like that. And, and like, you know, they put it, so they started with Kenny Atkinson, a coach with a, a proven record of developing players. Granted, okay, not the best fit with two alpha dogs there. Great. Um, they brought in Steve Nash at Kyrie's request or, or Kevin Durant's request. And then Kyrie comes out and says, yeah, like we don't really have a head coach. I could be the head coach. Kevin could be the head coach sometimes. And from there, it just, it continued to just be terrible. Right. Okay. So then there's that. And then you have Jacques Vaughn, who was, I thought was doing a good job sort of dealing with this team up until a few weeks ago and Kyrie out of nowhere. Oh yeah, I want to trade. Well, he wanted the extension. His his stepmother, who's his agent, came out and said he's ready to be the extension. He's been on his best behavior the last few months. And they're thinking to themselves, after everything we've been through, we can't give you an extension in the season. We can talk about it after the year. And they, they basically made him a, a two-year extension, I believe it was, that came in with heavily guaranteed, heavy guarantees of you have to win a championship, you have to be on the court, things that I think most rational organizations would do considering what they've been through with him and he considered it such an insult for a player of his caliber to have to be subject to that that he said all right get me out of here and they didn't hold on to him for weeks they immediately got him out of there when Kevin Durant said I'd ra- I want to be a Phoenix Sun where do they send him to the Phoenix Suns James Harden wanted to go to Philadelphia where do they send him Philadelphia they've been catering to these guys so long and then for Kyrie to come out in Dallas and just bash them and say, this is a terrible organization. I sh- I wanted out after year one. It's crazy. And I everyone's going to What'd you say? I missed those remarks. I didn't realize he. He bashed them. He bashed them beyond belief. And. Oh, man. For okay. 
for the organization to do everything that they did, most of the media is saying, well, you can't give superstars this much power. But at the end of the day, if you want Kevin Durant, if you want LeBron James, if you want Kawhi Leonard, you have to hand over the keys. They run the organization. You can do everything you can to try to help on the margins, but at the same time, it's a star league. And if you don't give them what they want, they're just going to leave. And then you're back to where you are as a young, plucky, fun team hoping to make a first round upset. Oh my God. I need to, I need to, I need to look back on that because I think it's so fascinating, but. And, and the other thing with Kyrie is he's saying, oh, he was disrespected, this, that, this. Give some examples then. If you want people to be on your side with this, tell us what actually happened. Don't just these vague tweets, these vague press conferences, just bashing the net, but without any actual substance. It's hard to really take his side when it seems like on from the outside, the Nets did everything possible to make you happy, including from the day they signed him, they gave DeAndre Jordan, who was finished, a four-year, $40 million deal because he was buddies with those two guys. So let's move on to the Suns. I think I think this is a great team. I think this is a team with a legit title chance, but with Durant still hurt, Chris Paul is declining, Devin Booker missed a lot of time. I just am skeptical that all three of those three of those guys are going to be healthy at the same time. And for that reason, I'm still going to roll with Nikola Jokic and, and Denver to beat the Suns in a Western Conference Finals. I'm of the belief that, it, okay, once this team is together and they, they're on the court, I think it's a different... I, I think they're easily the best team in the West. I think only maybe the Mavericks. Um, Interesting. Also, the Mavericks are such a, like... Uh, we'll get into the Mavericks later. But I think I just don't think the Mavericks are going to defend anybody. Like those two guards are breathtaking to play, but like, what's stopping Nicole Jokic and them from scoring 130 points every game in a in a in a playoff series? Yeah, and you could argue that they let go of their best one of their best defensive wings. They did, Finney Smith. Finney Smith. Yeah, that's no, that's a good point. Listen, I'm so like the West upgraded so much. Even yeah. the has got better. Yeah, like. It's going to be a bloodbath to, to to end the season, honestly, and I love it. I can't wait to see those Western Conference playoffs because, as you said, like Dallas is better. The Lakers are better. Phoenix is better. Denver, I don't think, got better, but I think they were the favorites. Um, we'll see what Memphis does. You know, they had Luke Kennard, who's a nice shooter. That's one of the worst jump-shooting teams in the league. But at the same time, I think they really need an adult in the room to kind of get those guys settled down and ready to play. And, and I don't Luke think they Kennard. did that. Honestly, like Luke Kennard is so. I don't think he's a difference. He's a nice maker. shooter. He's okay. I don't think he's a difference maker, but he's a nice shooter for a team that really needed more shooting. So it's a good move, but I think they need a, 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 an additional move. I mean, they had Danny Green and they traded him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the same thing, but whatever. Where, where, I mean, I don't really know where Danny Green is health wise. He just came back from the, uh, from the injury. He played three games in Memphis. And now he's signing with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. And it seems like a bunch of contenders were interested. So I think teams believe he still has a role to play in the NBA, despite uh, being 35 now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like the Grizzlies are like, they're such an interesting team because they obviously have a lot of great pieces, but I think their, their bark right now is, 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 is louder than what they can actually 
their bite. Yeah, right, right. I was wondering where I was going with that one. Um, um, listen, I, I think once Kevin Durant's on the floor, we'll have a better idea of how good this team is. But on paper, the team is the best in the West, even better than the Nuggets. My concern with the Nuggets is the same concern that I have with the Suns, is is are the other guys around Jokic are going to be healthy? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I did just say I'm not – I questioned Durant and Chris Paul's health when Jamal Murray has missed the last few years. Michael Porter misses a big chunk of time every year. And so what makes me think that Denver is going to be healthy and, and Phoenix won't, I, I don't know. Um, I guess that's the way the season has gone. But, again, if you've got a seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals with both those teams healthy, it'll be great basketball. And that's all we have to hope for there. And finally, like my one argument for the Mavericks is that Luca's almost always healthy. You only yeah. need you only need like some production from Kyrie to make this into like a real run for them. But yeah. you might be right though about the defensive thing, but that's just a thought. There's a we lot did- of and we didn't even mention the Kings who have had a renaissance year. They look great. And I think they're similar to Dallas where I'm not really sure they're going to stop anybody, which is why I'm not really taking them too seriously to be a title contender, but at the same time, they are a threat. So that's that. And let's move on to uh, a team we mentioned before, the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James is our new scoring king. Chris, I was in the building. It was amazing to be there. All the you know, celebrities there kind of worshiping this amazing record. They're all there to give credit to Kareem. They're there to talk LeBron. Uh, it was just amazing to be there and see that in person, Chris. And uh, I have you to thank because I was originally not planning on going. I got tickets for Tuesday's game and I was like, I don't know, should I go? It's kind of last minute. And you're like, Steve, if he hits this record, it'll be a, a memory forever. And I have you to thank for that. So thank you very much for <laughs> convincing me to go. And Listen, I'll yeah. be like, honestly, like I know I was miles away. But I was so happy that you were there. You were able. You're a big sports fan, yeah. To be a big basketball fan, but like, you'll never forget this moment. For I'll never rest. forget that moment. It was incredible, and the way the game started with, he's making a lot of passes. You can kind of feel like, uh, he doesn't really want it. And then about halfway through the first quarter, he got on a little run. The second quarter, he was great, and then he started the third quarter launching threes and you're like okay he's getting it tonight it's it's happening it went pretty quick and it was it was awesome it was awesome to see and i we disagree on this and we'll talk about it now i believe no one will ever break this record because i believe lebron is going to play at least two more years he's still at elite production you know what 28 29 a game even if that drops down to 25 the next few years he's going to hit 42,000 points that's so many points and with the way the NBA is now with load management and resting, it's going to be rare for a Jason Tatum or a Luka or any of these young scoring superstars to really put up 30 points a game, averaging 80 games a season. It's, it, you're going to see the 70 games. You're going to see 65. And I think because of that, you're going to need 22, 23 seasons at elite production to break this record. And I just don't think that's going to happen anytime soon or ever. So I think I don't want to make an argument for something with hypotheticals, right? Like I think that's what we're doing here. Go for it. Right. right, right no, no, hold on. I'm, it comes to getting to that. I'm getting to that. I think the thing that makes 
LeBron James so special is, is longevity, long, right? But I think the reason why his record could be broken is because he didn't really, really implement the, implement the three early on in his career. And so I think that for the next generation, it, it's not going to be anybody currently in the NBA that right. I think that I think I agree with. But I think a lot of these that listen, the points per game, the yeah. NBA is, is it's getting higher. Like these, yes. like I don't think that there's any question of that. I think the NBA values the entertainment of scoring. So it's, I think, and I think the three-pointer will be, will be more of a thing. Um, whoever does it will have to be launching lots of threes. And I think ultimately, like someone who can average 30 to 35 points early in their careers, I think has a real chance to catch up to LeBron. I mean, it's not- just, that guy has to play so many seasons. Uh, this no. is year 19 but- of LeBron and he's still going strong. So here's my argument as to why. Like, okay, we, you brought up the resting thing. You brought up that thing. But I think a lot of players are taking care of their bodies a lot more. Obviously, it'll take a special breed of a, of a player to be able to play that long. Like, only some Kareems and some LeBrons only happen once every, like, few generations, obviously. So those are some of the things that I look at in terms of why this record could be broken one day. Will it happen while we're both in this earth? I don't know. But I think the way things are moving, like higher scoring, you know, defense is not sexy. And so those are some of the things I think. I think it will be. I don't know when, though. Fair enough. Uh, I also want to bring up, it was a very weird game in that I don't know what went on with the Anthony Davis thing where he didn't really want to celebrate the award. He came out after and basically said he was just upset that they were losing to the Thunder. But the Westbrook part was just bizarre where, you know, you're sitting there, you hear the report after the game that he and Darwin Ham got into it in the, in the locker room at halftime, because basically Westbrook was lingering on the court. I saw a ref yell at him basically to sit down when he was off, when he was not supposed to be in the game. And he fired back at her and basically said, look, there's no seats can't can't sit there's no seats and for that to be kind of his last and then when lebron hit the record he's not really there to celebrate with lebron and then afterwards he goes okay good now we can go back to being my my game and he you know puts up 20 shots or i think he put up 19 lebron put up 20 and so he basically took over in the in the fourth quarter and with all the turnovers took them out of that game and so that was his last game as a Laker. And I think it really summed up the last two years pretty well, which is he kind of believes he's still the best player on, on the team. So I think it's a lot of different things with, with Russell Westbrook. And I think he's not a bad dude. He's obviously a really great dude. Off For the sure. Court. And you like, heard a lot of that from a lot of teammates basically praising him. And I think it's sort of like not fair that the Lakers – Right, he didn't look. He didn't listen. He didn't look great with the Darvin Ham thing, but there was there was a weird sort of aura of the game, as you said. Yeah. But I think it was because LeBron, justifiably so or unjustifiably, became more important than 
the basketball game itself, and especially yeah. when the team is in like trying to win games, and like the whole scoring thing became a huge distraction. And so maybe it's a good thing that now the team can just focus on winning games. So Russell Westbrook, I think, was just sort of annoyed with all the attention, maybe. And then maybe it's for the best, obviously, that he got traded. Um, I wonder what happens with him in Utah. I thought they were going to buy him out, but it looks like Utah wants him to stay. Really? Yeah. I don't I mean, think he's playing any games there. You think so? I mean, I don't know. But in any case, uh, the whole Russell was – I'm glad he's leaving the Lakers. I, I don't think it was right for him, like, for us to see him, like, sort of wither away his reputation that way. Like, in, I like mean, have you to noticed, defend have you, him for a second, to defend him, like, for LeBron to be coming out and saying, oh, I'm so upset we didn't get Kyrie and the whole maybe it's me thing with the tweet so, – how does that make Russell Westbrook feel? So, because the only right. way Kyrie or any of these stars are getting there is by trading Russell Westbrook's contract. For him to openly be out and saying, "Oh, I really wish we traded you," it's so, got it's got a sting. And that's you know whether he's playing well or not, that sucks. So here's the that was the other layer of this too, where it's like, listen, I'm the, I'm a big LeBron fan, and so are you, but I don't think there's any question that there's a little bit of like egotisticalness to this whole like. No, absolutely. He's like, not He's not winning teammate of the year anytime soon. He's not. And like, even though he's like sort of looked upon as a great leader, which he obviously he is to a degree, he's he's won championships, but there's a lot of self-servingness. And like those two things that you just mentioned are examples of that. Like, like, look at, look at, remember the whole, remember that scene when he just got to, to LA and you saw all the young players on one side of the of the seat yeah. and him on the other by himself yeah i i i think that's probably the way it is in real life also i agree and if you look at like the great winners in the history of the nba they've all kind of been like that we saw in the in the last dance all the terrible things that michael jordan did to get his teammates ready to play we've seen you know kobe bryant kind of do similar things you know, anything it takes to win, anything it takes to do to be a legend. And even I'm reading the currently, I'm reading Bill Simmons book of basketball and the things that, you know, Wilt Chamberlain did not care about a single teammate in his career. And it's, it's common. It's very common. And I think when we see an all time great do it differently, I think it's something we're going to talk about nonstop. Yeah. Agreed. Um, why don't we pivot over to talk about the Knicks real quick. Great. Uh, so the Knicks acquired Josh Hart. Um, we are we saw him play one game already, and that was against the um, Utah, Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. So far, I really liked what he brings. I love his intensity. I love that he grabs rebounds. I sort of like glossed over that, but he made a lot of key rebounds down the stretch against the Utah Jazz, and I was like, okay, I think this is a guy we want as a closer because we've been having trouble, as you know, getting defensive rebounds in those critical moments. And I think that's the main reason why we beat the Utah Jazz that night. Aside yeah, from- no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I thought it was a little bit of an overpay in that I just want to build through the draft. Obviously, the team doesn't want to do that. That pick is going to be somewhere in that 17 to 20 range, I think. And that's a pretty valuable pick. Uh, I think they're banking on getting Dallas's pick. 
And then who knows with the Washington pick, if Wizards make the playoffs, the Knicks get their pick. So I believe it's a good move. It's a move that gives you a, a wing in a league that desperately is always looking for wings. He rebounds the ball well. And I think, as you said, he's going to help their crunch time. And that's really been their biggest weakness this year. You know, whether it's poor shot selection down the stretch or just not being able to get that key rebound. And he's probably the best rebounding guard in the entire or wing in the entire NBA, other than maybe Russell Westbrook. And I think that's a guy who's really going to help. What I'm curious about is I think we both agree between Barrett, Grimes, and Hart, two of those three are going to play down the stretch based on who's playing best in that game. Does that impact Grimes' development? Does that impact Barrett's development? I'm curious to see, and I'm I'm a little nervous about it. So here was my observation when I saw. So Grimes didn't play the crunch time minutes. And what I my my general observation from one game, so obviously take it with a grain of salt, was that Hart is the adult or like the progressed version of what Grimes currently is in this in this moment in time like all the things that we hope for Grimes to be is what some of the things that Hart does already um and I think he might be the easiest casualty um but I I really I (laughs) I it's hard to say what we hope for because we obviously want the kids to win. We obviously won't want the kids to develop, but at the same time, Hart is kind of like, he's kind of like a piece that we needed to be a closer. Like he, he just really is. Um, he made I a, think what you said before the show is kind of correct. He's kind of just a better Grimes. <laughs> and for, but right now in current. In, for right now. Right and now. I would personally rather have the cheaper Grimes learning on the fly learning to get through mistakes I think he's a better shooter than Josh Hart but at the same time they've made very clear they're trying to win they're trying to win right now they're trying to squeeze out every single win they can and to me that means more often than not Hart's gonna be on the floor over Grimes yeah or and it's crazy right like I think even it just helped everyone played better down the stretch and like you know that's one of our biggest issues. Like, how many games have we lost because we didn't get a key offensive rebound, Steve? I mean, I mean, uh, key defensive rebound. Yeah, sorry, defensive rebound. That's what I meant to say. I mean, you saw what was it the, the Dallas game where they they just can't close it out, and yeah. it was da- it was just Dallas, frustrating. The Dallas game, the Lakers game, like the list goes on, and like right now he just it seemingly he cured one of the things that we've been having issues with. And I, I think they'll also get even better in those rebounding t- situations when they get Mitchell Robinson back eventually. And right. I don't know when that's going to be, but Hart and Mitchell Robinson, you know, with Randall are the three best rebounders on the team. So hopefully they'll get those guys back. You know, they'll get Mitch back soon. They'll be full strength and they can make a, a charge to try to sneak out of that plane and into that six seed. Because, you know, we I poo-poo it a lot. It would be an accomplishment to to have a legit first round series. So let's move on. Let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. What happened with the Raptors? We've been talking about them trading OG Ananobi and Gary Trent and Fred Van Bleet and even partially Pascal Siakam for weeks. And for them to just go and do nothing and then go on and trade a future first for Jacob Pertle, it 
it was the information wrong was the media wrong or did the raptors just take this time off listen i generally don't think the media gets it wrong maliciously i think they're they're always being fed information that is sometimes treated as leverage and it's treated as like rumors that that could sway in an exec a team executives like favor so i i believe that the raptors were on the market but i think they were putting that out there so that they can get better offers or seeing what they could get they obviously didn't like what was out there and i think the biggest issue um the biggest issue i have is that you know, we liked OG and I guess I would have maybe would have made a stronger run at him. Um, the thing I find the most confusing is what, what is the Raptors end goal here? That's what I'm wondering. I don't really get it. Like, like they could have blown this thing up, gotten to the Wembenyama chase and then said, we're building around Scotty Barnes and a high draft pick in this draft and i think that's a pretty good situation to be in plus whatever draft picks you get from blowing all this up and for them to just do nothing i think again i'm continuing to kind of pull stuff that you said before the show but you said well what if they just do a signing trade with van vliet in the offseason what if they do that with trent what if they're just pushing the og situation back a few months i don't love that because I think they should just try to go after this really great draft. And two years, you know, when they traded Kyle Lowry two years ago, they had the same situation. They decided to wait till the offseason. They signed and traded him to the Heat. But then they they basically rested him the entire second half. They finished with the fourth pick. They get Scotty Barnes. And I'm curious if we get to late March, early April, if all of a sudden Van Vliet has a nagging injury, Trent has a nagging injury. We're just sitting everybody down and trying to increase these lottery odds. Or... Do they really believe they should go for it and try to make the playoffs? I think the Jacob uh, Pearl situation, to me, signs that they're going to try to make a run in the playoffs. But yeah, yeah, at, I agree. at the same time, it's like, you know, you get a, the center that you maybe want to build around. Like, I don't know. I, I'm flabbergasted, to be honest with you. Um, but the other one of the other rumors this uh that happened right before the trade deadline trade deadline or that the Knicks were interested in, uh, you know, Zach Levine, you and me are both beyond happy with just having heart and not having him. Uh, is there any scenario where you would have been okay with that? Look, I just think with his knee problems and the contract, it was scary, Chris, it was scary to think about, what that could turn out to be. And we were breaking down before Amari Stoudemire's contract with the Knicks, right? This is a guy who's making more than double what Amari made with the Knicks. And it felt like that was crippling. And I understand it's a different cap. The cap's going up, blah, blah, blah. But like, Chris, 40 million next year, 43 the year after that, 46 the year after that, and then a $49 million player option in 2027. Chris, I, I don't love it. He's looked pretty good this year borderline all-star kind of guy but this is a guy who's never played he hasn't played 70 games in a season since 2016 when he was in his second year in minnesota yeah. and i 
I just don't like it. I think it would have been bad. And also like the reports that we saw, which I don't know how much to believe them. They weren't saying the Knicks are taking Levine. It said the Knicks are giving up multiple draft first round picks, OB, maybe quickly in some variations, maybe Quentin Grimes. Like the Knicks didn't want to get Quentin Grimes for Donovan Mitchell. We're going to do it for Zach Levine, who's older, more expensive and more and more more injured so i just didn't like it and i was relieved to hear reports from you know bondi and and begley coming out and saying basically those talks went nowhere they never really were serious about that so we'll see how that plays out if i was the bulls i would dump that contract if i can get a first round pick for him i'd be doing backflips let alone two or three so i'm curious to see if the bulls kind of come to their senses in the summer and say wait a second we gotta blow this thing up yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then one of the other things, uh, one of the other reasons we like held off on this show was the whole like bizarre Warriors trade with uh, Gary Payton involving Gary Payton, uh, Sadiq Bay, and all those. It looks like the trade is going to happen. It went through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was a really bizarre situation too because Portland was sort of like hiding his injury it was hiding weird injury? like what did you think that the warriors weren't going to find that out like that's bizarre and the warriors basically wanted the trade to go through they're saving so much money in luxury tax the next couple of years between wiseman's deal and payton's but they also wanted the nba to punish portland so they're basically saying well we'll do this deal if you allow us to still get them in trouble <laughs> and so well i think, I the think NBA agreed to that i think the other thing though is that they probably need a they're Portland will end up probably giving them a second rounder or something. So that's the thing. They can't get more compensation because the trade deadline happened. Like they can't just redo the trade. No, no, but it's punishment, no? But I believe the punishment would be more Portland loses a second round pick. It doesn't mean the Golden State gets anything out of it, but I think they just want them punished, <laughs> which is this, it's like the Knicks Maverick thing where it's like, can you slap the Knicks on the wrist for tampering with Brunson? We know it's not really going to make a, a difference, but just like we want the satisfaction of it. And that's, that's what happened. And no one really seemed to care after 20 minutes. And that's going to be what happens here, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, a little slap on the wrist. But uh, Chris, anything else before we wrap up the show? Uh, nothing. I, I just want to quickly point out that I think uh, Brunson was always such a great, was a good was a good player in Dallas. And now I think with Kyrie in Dallas, I think he's sort of an upgraded version of Brunson with minus the availability. <laughs> That's um, a big issue. That's a big issue. Big I'd issue. rather have Brunson for 75 games and Kyrie for 55. But that's, that's I guess, my bigger point, right? Like where I think the you don't need 80 games of Kyrie. You need 30 of them and most of them being in the playoffs because – Luca needs help in the playoffs. He doesn't need he doesn't really need that help now. So um that would be my biggest thing. All right. Fair enough. All right, Chris, that's gonna do it for us here on the All Hoops Podcast. We'll be back soon to talk about our all-star predictions, who's gonna win the three-point contest, skills competition, dunk contest, and maybe the uh the MVP of the game. So we'll be back soon to talk about that. And in the meantime, enjoy more NBA action. All right. Sounds good, Stevie. Bye. Thank you.